few years ago, I had the opportunity and the honor to coach my son's first grade basketball team. I was excited to stand in front of these eager young athletes and provide them with the foundational skills they needed to enjoy the game of basketball. From the minute I set foot in front of that team, I realized that I had a truly warped sense of what I was about to experience. When I would ask the team to huddle up at center court, two kids came rather quickly. One, of course, is my son. A few meandered slowly as if on a stroll along a tropical beach. A few didn't even hear me or possibly ignored me. And the remaining few certainly heard me, understood the direction, yet ran the other direction, launching their basketballs across the gym. When I finally got the kids together, it didn't get any better, and I eventually finished the practice feeling completely defeated. Over the next few practices, things began to improve. Many of the kids were relatively responsive to my instruction, and we had a wonderful time. But there were still a few players that were disinterested in any sort of formal, coordinated approach to this alleged team sport. What I came to realize was there were two challenging types of players on my team. The first group were players that had a certain level of natural skill and experience and had very little interest in learning the basics of the game. They could dribble the ball, get the ball to the hoop, and had a lot of energy. However, when it came to game situations, they were missing a few key fundamentals, including rules such as double dribbling, traveling, a three-second lane violation, and how to run an offense as a team, the games became frustrating because although they had the ability to play at full speed, they didn't have the knowledge of the fundamentals to play without being interrupted by rules. And they couldn't remain in the flow of the game as they didn't know how to play as a team. They were the I-already-know-so-let's-do-it group. The second group had zero experience but knew that they wanted to play the type of basketball they see on TV. However, they didn't have any interest in the concept of practice. These players were extremely lost. They not only were frustrated by the same issues as group one, but they were also frustrated that they couldn't simply do everything naturally without instruction, demonstration, and practice. They were the just tell me and I'll be able to do it group. So what does this have to do with financial management of medical equipment? Glad you asked. We are at the beginning of our discussion. From the very basic fundamentals of finance and accounting. This can seem very dry and slow, but if you put the time and effort into the key fundamental concepts now, you will find that the later topics will be more engaging. Some individuals will come to this topic with some level of skill and experience, and it will be difficult to be patient with the learning process. Others will come to this topic with very little base knowledge and wonder why aren't we jumping right into the keys to the HTM financial universe on day one. It is important for us to start from the ground up, and you will find that you will be able to play the game without knowledge barriers and you will ultimately be able to function as part of the greater multidisciplinary team that drives HTM finances. So if you're truly gonna take a deep dive into HTM financial management, you gotta start with some basic accounting practices. So when we think of accounting, a lot of us think of, I got a logbook and I got some financial transactions, some 
logging expenses and revenues and it's all listed in this log. Well, that's true. That log is called a general ledger and it's not really a book anymore. Now it's all software, of course. But accounting is more than just a log of financial transactions. Accounting is, it's a system. It's a framework. It's policies and procedures and controls and it's really governed by a rule book. Accountants and financial professionals have certain ways that they're allowed to document certain transactions and present certain financial reports. Having a, an understanding of these basic concepts will help you understand the overall HTM finance. So here's a couple of practical examples. The first couple are a little bit more abstract. The first example is the concept of a capital expense versus an operational expense. So a capital expense comes from a funding source different from your operational expense. Capital expense is purchasing equipment. You can kind of think of it as almost coming from more of a savings account. Whereas an operational expense would be more your support and maintenance and your service, which you could kind of think of more as your on-hand checking account that you use for your daily expenses. So understanding which expenses fall into what category can help you understand various budget decisions. Another abstract concept around accounting is the concept of depreciation. And a lot of us understand depreciation in terms of a car. There's the concept of you buy the car and as soon as you drive it off the lot, it loses value. And then over time, it'll continue to lose value. So it's the same with anything you buy, really, that loses value over time, unless there's some things actually gain value over time. But uh, in the case of medical equipment, it'll lose value over a certain period of time. And this is called the depreciated value. And we think of this residual value that's left in the accounting books as being an important concept when it comes to life cycle planning, because you don't want to get rid of equipment before it's been fully depreciated because then you're essentially taking that expense. When you're trading in equipment, you want to make sure your trade-in allowance is equal to or greater than your residual value or your, your depreciated value. And this can overall have an impact on your bottom line. So a hypothetical example would be if you have a group of equipment that has a purchase value, original purchase value of about $3 million. And you're going to assume that you're going to keep that equipment for 10 years. It's got a 10-year life on it. And you're also going to assume that the depreciated life of that equipment is 10 years. Well, that means that essentially you are accepting a $300,000 expense. That's the amount of depreciation each year over those 10 years. And when those 10 years are up, you buy another $3 million worth of equipment and then you depreciate that value. So your $300,000 just keeps on going every single year. Now, if you do that same concept, if your depreciated life is still 10 years, however, you're going to keep the equipment for 12 years. So that's where the concept of depreciation and understanding that depreciation schedule versus your expected life and your ability to extend the life of equipment past that depreciated life can have really large impacts on your financial bottom line. And this is independent of the service and maintenance and support expenses that we typically think of related to an HTM program. A more real kind of tangible example of accounting practices in HTM is all around budgets. 
as I said, the, the general ledger has all these transactions in it and that feeds into reports that tell us where we're at in current state and how the money is flowing. But then we can take those reports and we can develop budgets, which is basically a plan for future expenses and make sure that we allocate funding appropriately. In the real world, making sure that the service, the labor, the parts, our HTM department costs, everything is captured appropriately so that we can properly trend and develop budgets based on the factors related to our service strategies. If those expenses are not in the right place or if they're not easily connected to each other or if you're not consistent about how you document and log and where you put those expenses, it becomes very difficult to measure performance that can have an impact on your program and your effectiveness to really understand what's going on in your finances. And another practical example of understanding where expenses are flowing and how they're documented from an accounting perspective is related to benchmarking. So many organizations, healthcare organizations, provide financial data and metrics to certain organizations that help them benchmark against their peers. So they will take reports of equipment services programs, equipment counts and work order counts and staffing metrics, and they'll bundle this all together so you can compare yourselves to other organizations that are similar to yours. Well, if your accounting practices are different than those organizations, you run the risk of not comparing apples to apples. So understanding how things are accounted for in your organization versus how things may be accounted for in other organizations becomes very important. So if they're looking at the total cost of your HTM program, but certain aspects such as certain service contracts or certain labor charges are not necessarily captured as part of your program or are not easily linked to it, you could then have some discrepancies in your benchmarking, which could potentially negatively impact the perception of how your program is actually running. So understanding those accounting practices and, and how things are, are documented and reported is extremely important. One fundamental concept in accounting is referred to as the accounting equation. And essentially what the accounting equation does is it begins to process some of that financial information in a way that you can know something about a business. So you, you have all these transactions logged in what's referred to as the general ledger, but just looking at a list of transactions isn't very helpful to know exactly what's going on in that business. You need to get to the point where you have reports or financial statements that really tell you big picture what your business is all about. So one step toward processing that general ledger transactional information is this accounting equation. The equation is very simple. It goes like this. Assets equal equity plus liabilities. So assets are things that you own and control. Um, they also have some sort of measured value to them. And they typically have a certain period of life attached with them. So for example, if we're talking a non-business or non-healthcare example, we can talk about someone who owns a home. So when you're looking at assets, you're looking at the house because it has a value. You own and control it. An oven can be an asset, a couch, 
water heater, a refrigerator, those are considered assets. So it's really, it's something that has monetary value. And by the way, assets can be money as well. It's the things that you own, whether it's property or money or any other types of things that you might own within your business. On the other end of the equation, we have equity and liabilities. So let's start with liabilities. So I use the example of owning a home. So many of us don't actually own, completely own our home. So if we take an example where somebody buys a house and they put 20% into that house and then the other 80% they borrow from a lender, such as a bank. So my house is an asset, but 80% of that asset I owe money on, therefore that's considered a liability. So an easy way to think of liabilities is loans and debt that you owe that you need to pay back. In an HTM setting, if you have purchased some equipment, you receive the equipment, but you still owe money or owe payments on that equipment, that is considered a liability. So even though you possess and control that asset, it has value and it has life to it, you owe money on that, so therefore it is a liability. Now, in the example of the house, my house is my asset, 80% of it is a liability, so what is that other 20%? Well, that's equity. We hear that term used in housing all the time is that if I have value on my house, that is equity. And if it appreciates in value over time, I'm gaining equity. If you look at the overall equation, you have assets on one end. So it's the things that I own, control, they have value, it has life, equals equity plus liabilities. So the equity is what I truly own. The liabilities is what I control, but I still owe money. I have debt to pay. But adding the equity and the liabilities together is my total assets. So you can see how this could become important because just knowing what your assets as an organization are doesn't really tell you what the value of your organization is. That's what the equity is. But the equity only tells you what the monetary value of your organization is. It doesn't tell you what assets are consistent in your organization. And then the liabilities tell you what portion of those total assets do you owe money or do you have debt in. So that is the accounting equation. And you'll understand more about how that comes into play with financial statements as you dive into that topic. So my last point on understanding basic accounting related to HTM financial management is that yes, there are financial and accounting professionals that will know their discipline better than you will. Your knowledge and expertise is primarily based on medical equipment management, and theirs is based on financial management. However, the accounting and financial professionals don't have the insight or the perspective on what all is encompassed in an HTM program. They may individually know that there's service contracts and there's labor costs and there's parts costs and there's department operational costs and there's test equipment. They may individually know those expenses, but they don't know necessarily how those all tie together and what all encompasses an HTM program. Being an HTM professional and being able to inform the financial professionals is critically important. And having that basic understanding is going to make you a key member to that multidisciplinary team.